Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to entertain myself, learn something, and have a chat with some friends. I'm always curious to make some new friends and to learn some new information. And so today my guest is Stephanie from Latvia, which is really cool. You're my first guest from Latvia. Um, and we're gonna talk about bit fitting. But uh, you're a veterinarian. So just, uh, Stephanie, give us a bit of your, your background, your history, you know, uh, um, how you got where you are today and working, talking about bits. Yeah, <laughs> well, I try not to talk too much about myself, but thank you very much for asking. Uh, it's always nice for everyone to introduce. Um, so first, of course, I still would like to thank uh, Wire uh, for doing all of this, and I'm so happy to be here with you and talk about this uh, topic. So yes, I'm from Latvia. Uh, it's near Scandinavia, if somebody more knows where Scandinavia than Latvia. <laughs> So, so um, I'm uh, my uh, my background with horses is uh, is uh, for 25 years already with a really different uh, equestrian world uh, aspects um, from uh, I don't know from breeding till training and till treating, and um, I'm actually 15 years in veterinary already, but I started as a veterinarian assistant first. And then I carried on uh, on the studies uh, for veterinary and I was working both for small animals and for the horses. Uh, so, and, uh, and yeah, and um, all horses were all the time in between uh, my work and my studies. And I was uh, traveling to Europe working even as a competition groom for, to get uh, my, uh, my earning while I'm studying and so on and so on. So, uh, have seen different aspects, uh, ups and downs and uh, training. And I was always very interested in equine behavior. I was always interested in equine feet and the trimming and um, uh, all sorts of things. And at that time when it was 2006, I think, uh, um, in, in my area, in Baltic states, uh, it's, uh, it's nobody really knew uh, about much about the fascia therapy and body works and so on and so on but as I was traveling I got to know of these things and um, and then yes of course I was interested in that and so on and so on and then at some point I thought that I don't want to do small animals as much as anymore and I would like to do more horses but at the same time I realized that if I do just normal uh, veterinary work I will just keep fight consequences what what they are so instead i decided better to do integrative veterinary work uh educate more people on uh, health issues how they can be prevented and so on and so on and uh, of course speaking about bit fitting uh, as i was doing body works uh, and uh, also so different injuries from bits and uh, and the consequences of the bad uh, rain contact on the horse body, uh, I realized, mm, what, what could I do more and what, what, what should I bring in in my area uh, and how? So, and then I started to look and I found uh, Natasha Van Eyck. Uh, uh, she's in Netherlands and she's uh, hold and like leading teaching uh, international uh, college for bit fitters. And I like her approach uh, that she's taking whole horse approach also. 
and it's like not like just two days of uh, of the studies uh, it's a more like more like really really study work so i went to her and um and yes and um, here i am now here and um actually i fell in love with bit fitting and mostly because uh, i was surprised myself that after many years i, I was think I, I was telling myself bloody hell how could i not see it before <laughs> <laughs> but so when I saw the differences we can make for horses just to finding a correct bit and uh, adjusting correctly bridles, it was like so amazing. And uh, and when you do bit fitting, the best, uh, the actually the best what you can get, it's just by seeing how happy horses uh, at the end. It's like it's it's really, it's really it's really overwhelming this this feeling. So you know, here I am. When I was a kid, the the bit of choice was a fat egg butt snaffle, and that's what we all rode in. It was a fat egg yeah. butt snaffle. Um, or if you were a little kid, you rode in a Pelham, which mm. you know, actually yeah, it was a bit that the Pelham easier than the easier bit, a better bit than a snaffle. But you know that was the thing is that this is the bit you used, and we really didn't look at any of the aspects of an anatomy or anything like that. So. You know, it's it's really great that we are evolving in our understanding and concept and recognizing that there's an anatomical fit that we have to have as well as looking at the comfort yeah. of the horse. But of course, in the end, you've already said it, the horse get, is the one that gets to choose. And we really yeah. need to listen to our horses. Exactly. And exactly. Let them tell us yeah. what's more comfortable. So um, so let's get into it. Let's get right into your presentation. Yeah. Really excited. Yeah. yeah. So I have a little presentation for you, and I'm just going to share the screen. And here we go. And uh, there. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I would like just to pay attention more into the importance of the bit fitting itself. Um, and um, so one of the um, hang on, where's my slides? Here we go. <laughs> um, so uh, what is bit fitting? In my own opinion, um, the bit fitting is not just changing the bits uh, and thinking and coming over to the horse and just to put the bit in and take a bit out and see if it fits on the length well and so on and so on. It's also understanding just generally about the atomy and phys uh, physiology. It, it, you need to know some dentistry. Uh, you need to know actually a lot about the behavior. And it is interesting that when you examine a horse on the ground, uh, you already see some patterns of their behavior, how they will behave with a bit and during a riding. Of course, the, you, know, to know, you need to know the biomechanics, uh, recognize the riding style, and understand where is that, is it actually just the big problem? Is it actually a horse body uh, issue problem or actually is there also some rider's style uh, adjustments need to be done. Saddlery, it's, I can't say that the bit fitter should know really about saddle fitting because there are saddle fitters for that, but uh, also uh, they need to recognize the ba really like bad saddle fit because it will affect uh, at the end the whole ring contact. Um, and you may see, you know, maybe it's nothing wrong with a bit at the end, but the saddle fit is so bad and it's pressing down to the wither. 
the horse actually don't want to lift the back and of course there is no good rain contact at the end mm -hmm. so just mm -hmm. to recognize that and of course laurinary signs but as you just mentioned the laurinary signs how some people think oh you you need to know technically how this bit works and and then you will know which bit you need to use for that and which bit you need to use for this but actually yes you need to know how it works but I think that horses are horses are just as much as persons as we are, and they may just tell you that wherever you think this bit fits to me, actually it doesn't fit. <laughs> so horses really, and all you need to do is just to listen to them. So, um, and uh, yeah, the question is how? We'll get to this later down, how? So this is the slide which I, uh, I actually, I think I, I share and I uh, and I show in nearly knee, uh, in nearly each of my uh, lectures I present um, horse head pressure points. So, uh, and I think it's even not all of them. If you want to count quickly how many of them there are while I'm talking, uh, because um, years before we just thought that. Uh, not we just thought, but many people were thinking and talking about free pressure points on the horse head, if you remember, or if it was at your area, but it was in mine. And then um, at some point uh, we went to Micklin Bridle and then uh, got more know and about the horse uh, uh, about the bridle influence on horse head, and then we started to talk more about the five pressure points. And then later on, uh, I think uh, at some point bridle brands started to um, compete between each other, and then then there was seven pressure points. And now I hear from some bit, bit brands that there are 10 pressure points what they can avoid uh, by their bridles. But as you see, there are much more pressure points which we need to attend uh, when we do uh, fit bridle. So there are how many of them? 15. Yeah, at least 15. And I think I could, I should, I should, and I think uh, I should add more and I know of about 17 at least and it depends on the bridle a bridle design really yeah because you don't have anything down along the jawline the back of the jawline there i'm sure there's no exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly so and uh, and there are so many designs now that uh, that uh, it's sometimes it's it's you just you, you you need to know what you're looking for you need to know is this could be good for the horse or not why it can be good or not good for the horse and then you come over and see this design. And sometimes when you think that, for example, okay, the wider, wider, uh, you know, strap is, then it's better. Well, not always, not for each head. And the opposite way, for, for example, on some head, very thin strap will feel really, you know, sharp. So uh, you always have to look for these, uh, these signs. Uh, are they good or not? And all the time consider. So, still, even though I would say in all of all, of, nearly all of them, all of these pressure points can be avoided with uh, uh, a nicely designed for specific horse head. Uh, I don't mean it doesn't have to be custom made, but at least it have to be in the correct size. Uh, classical design uh, bridle which would be used 
correctly and adjusted correctly and not over tight in many places. And by doing this, we can avoid already most of these uh, pressure points, at least not to, to harm them a lot. So uh, yes, there are a lot of them and uh, could be more, and especially with double bridle. And it's it, this is speaking just about the bridle pressure points. We're not even speaking about what can be with uh, bit pressure points. Uh, so uh, it, it's just them. So this is uh, also, that's, uh, you know, I think lots of people already seen that, but these, I wanted just to show a little bit from inside the nasal bone, the red spot, what we see at the nasal bone. Um, I often meet people who want to uh, put the nose band lower and then I start to explain how the nasal bone are, how they go away from the maxillar bone. And that this nasal bone is really thin uh, plate, which is actually very easy to damage. And if you know how strong uh, horse jaw is and what happens when the horse actually opens the jaw, what happens with a nose band, for example, yeah? It can be really pressing down to this nasal bone and it can just snap and get broken, unfortunately. Not speaking even about the cartilage, which goes down, down there, yeah? But I, I really hope a lot of people already are aware of this information and uh, looking for... It's actually, it's really easily to palpate where this, uh, where the edges of this... Uh, of this triangle when the, the nasal bone goes off from a maxilla. And um, this is also, I, I also actually, I run the clinics for the lunging. And you know, for the lunging, uh, there is a cavastones what they're used often. Mm -hmm. And this is the, uh, also one of the spots what I'm making people aware of, uh, better to not to put the, the cavastone too low. Yeah. So, uh, of course, it always depends, but so on. So we, we all know about the foramen uh, infraorbitale, where the uh, yellow spot is and that there are nerves coming off from that and that's where we need to avoid it and so on and so on. What people not often are aware of is this blue spot where is the mental uh, foramen and then there are also the nerves coming out of that. And of course, this can be influenced both by the, uh, for example, chins or any strap below. And what people often don't think, it's a flash nose band. It actually also goes across where the nerves coming out and also the dropped nose band and the flash nose band. And they often think that, oh, they are avoiding everything on the top, what's going on here, where the cheekbone is, where the uh, foramen in from the orbital is, where the teeth are, but they forget about this down, 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 down strap, unfortunately. So this is uh, this always to consider not over tighten the noseband. And I think there are lots of, uh, Lots of uh, the research is done already on this subject. So uh, it's it's not that only what somebody said, it's really proven how it can influence the horse. Um, unfortunately, more often in a bad way. So it have to be really um, adjusted accordingly. 
So um, here's, I show this while one of the lovely picture where you can see all the superficial veins and vessels and some of the nerves. And then imagine what's gonna happen if we put the bridle in and influence whole blood circulation in there. And if you see number 35, this is the, the, the facial vein and facial artery. And nowadays we have this anatomical bridle, what we call, yeah? Mm -hmm. And yeah. the strap is going actually mostly in this area. So we can easily press on these superficial uh, vessels and uh, compromise the whole blood flow. So um, that's why uh, I prefer either to put the strap and adjust it a little bit much uh, forward to the jaw or rather a little bit backwards, but have to avoid exactly this spot. And uh, this is often also not people aware of, of enough. These you see are nerves, facial nerves. And I think this is a good question also always for the, again, the same uh, anatomical bridle we have now, that, which get often over tightened on the masseter muscle. Mm -hmm. And um, you, we all probably know how it feels when you hit the, the elbow where the nerve is and how, how it feels, because that's probably one of the places where we have the nerve most closely uh, to outside. So imagine we can see actually already with eye these nerves, how they go. Uh, so what happens if there are all the time constantly pressure or, for example, constantly rubbing of the cheek piece of from a bridle, if it's too loose or is just uh, not uh, the good fit for the horse? Probably it's not going to be feeling very well. <laughs> Keep going, there's somebody knocking at my door. <laughs> somebody came! Brad's got it. Brad's got it. Okay. Great, we're good. Keep going. <laughs> so, and this is again, this is again another aspect of the of the noseband. What I'm always talk about and uh, why I prefer not prefer, but uh, why I um, mm, I suggest for the people try not to use the uh, no uh, flash noseband if it's possible, because you won't believe but at least a half, or actually even I could say more of the people, uh, when I ask them why you are using this you know, flash noseband, they say just because it's there. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> just because it's there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah. Um, so some people, they're just not aware of enough why they need to use it, and should I, they use it? So if we look from a horse perspective of you, it's actually pressing on the horse uh, nostrils on the muscle, which uh, dilate the nostrils. So when horses, in this picture, you see horse in the calm state, uh, breathingly calmly. So imagine the horse needs to do a workout, a galloping, uh, a lot, uh, like a uh, hard physical work, he will probably will be with a really open nostrils because horses can breathe only through the nose. 
So, and we are unfortunately like on the um, picture, we see how it can influence this area. Yeah? So it's, it, it's actually on the way to expand nostrils fully and get a lot of uh, air and oxygen in. So, so uh, is, there, is there a purpose, like what was the original purpose of having a flash? That's 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 a lot of going on uh, questionary about this. Uh, but so far, what uh, what I found that actually the the the, the Camerson nose band, the the main nose band, it was uh, originally made more for the horses. I think it also was in the Western like that for the horses to attach the standing martingale. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was more for that, not, not so horse doesn't get the head up. You probably have seen it in the pictures or somewhere else. Yeah. So the next step was for actually to stop the horse opening also the mouth at this flash nose band. Because I, so, I have heard that it's to steady the bit in the horse's mouth. Um, but yeah. if that was the original purpose, I think a lot of people have missed that one and have gone on to trying to keep the horse's mouth closed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, this is also what I have heard, uh, and funnily, the, this information is both in your area and in my area, which are different parts of the world. But actually, I look at this like that: that horse actually should uh, hold the bit already nicely in mouth without supporting, and bit should not be too big for that. That it need to be supported. Bit should be supported by the cheek pieces, what, right. which are holding it in the mouth. It should not be supported by anything else. Uh, if it is, then we are in trouble. Right. <laughs> uh, because like I said, we, that's how we see if horse is not happy to hold the bit in the mouth, we know it's wrong a bit. Yeah. yeah. So of course there, there is the, the, they might be horses who needs a lot of stabilizing of the bit, a lot. Like, like if you choose already the, the, the model, which is most stable, which you can think of, and it's still, and you see still horse wants, uh, wanting a little bit more support, of course you can add it, but it's, it's, really, it's really little. So think about the, Cheek pieces are holding it. If if they are not holding, only then you need to support with a flash nose band. I so, mean, so it, basically, the the reasons why people give for using a flash are really not well supported by any any real understanding and science of bridle fit. And this is interesting. I'd never considered the flash restricting the opening of the nostril. So I think that's a really good point for not having a flash. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly, for not having a flash. And like I mentioned already with this mental hole uh, where the nerves are coming out, that's exactly if we look down a bit like under, that's exactly where it's gonna giving a lot of pressure in. Yeah. Yeah? And also you probably have seen ever Unfortunately, it gives a rubs on on the lips sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Also, because it's a movable part of the horse, they move their lips more, and it, it's more likely you will get rubbed in there. Uh, sometimes there's allergies. Sometimes it's pinching together with a bit, uh, you know, because it's a skin. It's very 
very sensitive skin in that area. And yeah, my my main point is whatever if whatever whatever reason you want to use it or you just use it because it's there, uh, you think about that actually it impairs breathing of the horse. Right. And this is this is when I say try to place, for example, uh, lightly two fingers on the base of your nostrils. Yeah. Try to yeah. move them, feel how they move, and our nostrils are not really movable, are they? So, and oh, we we can, yeah, yeah, and we can breathe through the mouth. Yeah. And now think that you are running with this nose, uh, some cross country yourself. Well, and then we see all the tape they put on the nostrils to try and open the nostrils, right? <laughs> Yeah, but that's the 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 other way. That's that's also actually that's actually works very well. But yeah, so if you put it down a little bit, you, my voice is already changing, and I'm not pressing hardly. Yeah, and you feel all this movement, and it's even not as much movable as it's in the horse. Right. So uh, yeah, great this case is, against flash nosebands. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, of course, same happens with a dropped noseband or Hanoverian noseband, what we call it. I think it's even most horrible thing which you, we can think. Um, and that's what happens, uh, especially if there is a resistance from a bit and horse wants to open the mouth. The, the placement of it, it's already off the, on the nose cartilage and it's pressing so much easily in. And the most unfortunate thing, I don't know, was it the same in yours, but in my area, at some point it was told that it is perfect um, noseband for young horse. Uh, just because. It's often used with young horses. Um, mm. um, yeah. You don't see drops as much as you used to. They're, they're uh, I, you know, I used to, there used to be, uh, used quite a bit when I was young, but I don't really see them very often anymore. Mm, yeah, I, I think about four or five years ago, suddenly it was again a big boom of the dropped nosebands, uh, talking that it doesn't make a pressure here where the normal uh, uh, Cavason no noseband does, where the nerves coming out, and that people went crazy. Oh my God, there's a nurse, but they forget that there's a nerve also <laughs> down there. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's the also cartilage. You can see how much that's pressing into the soft cartilage and blocking that horse's nostrils. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the most unfortunate thing, because I actually rode myself just three times in my life in the drop nose band and I didn't like it at all. Uh, but the most unfortunate thing is that rider does not see it. Yeah. Who could see it is his trainer, wherever right. his trainer will tell it or not. But right. yes, unfortunately, in action, when you ride, you actually don't see uh, how much it's pressed in, especially if horse opens the mouth. Right. So that's, that's kind of, it kind of justifies the rider, but we just need to think, do we really need to use this type of the nosebands if it is likelihood that they can impair the breathing like that. Well, and it's always a question of why are we using it and why don't we solve the problem exactly. rather than try to block the symptom. Yeah, yeah, hard to know one. And it's also the nice, uh, nice uh, research is done that on to make uh, your noseband tighter, it actually will cause more problems, mm -hmm. much more problems. 
and which will in long term affect whole body. Right. So it's you always need to, to, to solve the other things before you actually go for the tight and nose back. But I do want to say, you know, that the other side of the, that that equation is people that say never use a nose band and there is a purpose mm. for a nose band. And I, and I think, you know, my saying is where's the middle, I'm going to put it on my gravestone when I've got, um, because there are times like I just went up, at, was at a riding school and I put a nose band on all three horses because they were opening their mouth and avoiding. And yeah. when you got to the end of their jaw opening, they missed what the message was. And so, you know, it always comes back to, correctly adjusted and understanding that exactly. if the person's avoiding the bit, you're also causing a lot of problems because it takes so long. You have to do so much more to get the information through than if you just have a correctly adjusted noseband. Exactly. That's correct. And the, if I ask people um, why you need to tighten the noseband, why you need the noseband in the first place, what would be the answer you would hear? Well, for me, it's always to limit how much the horse opens his mouth so that he, so that the information can get through. So if I drop my jaw really far, now I'm going to have a lot of pressure at the top at the TMJ and you can actually damage the TMJ by the horse opening the mouth too much with tension on the reins. So, you know, there's, you know, when yeah. people start to flip from one extreme to the other, I'm always like cautious because they're, you know, the more, the quicker we can clarify the information of the horse, the less damage we're going to impart um, either by having it, you know, too tight or too loose. So I hope, I hope you're on the middle with me here. <laughs> yeah, I am absolutely because that's how it is. There, there's in, in, luckily there is always the middle. Uh, on the first, when I do bit fitting, uh, and if I see the noseband is very tight, I always explain the consequences of the tight noseband. That's the first thing. And the second thing, when we find the bit which actually horse is more happy with, mm -hmm. horse even doesn't need to open its mouth anymore as much. Right. So, yeah. And then we can loosen it easily for those moments when there's a little bit more pressure or some um, uh, training issues going on to horse when they, they open the mouth so they would be actually accepting the bit again. So... When I, when I ask people why you, we need to use nosebands, mostly they answer to shut the horse mouth down or like you explained, not limit, like limit the opening of the mouth. Well, I actually explain it that it's not for shutting the mouth, it's for accepting the bit. Yes, yes. And, yeah. It's, yes. it's right. not exactly. opening exactly. the mouth. Simply saying what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, for the accepting the bit, and I, for example, if there are sometimes cases when I take noseband off completely, but to be honest, they are really rare. Why? Because for example, if it's young horse, like you just mentioned, they need actually to understand limitation and accept the bit. Otherwise, there's no point of tra for training because like you said, they will just keep open the mouth avoid and actually cause even more and more problems on the TMJ, on the neck, or and obedience itself. That's what yes. we're not looking for. We can't get the clear signals then. That's one point. And the second point is safety. Yeah. For example, if I have a horse, like already who is, you know, not a young horse, but 
any horse who spooks and you are riding with no nose band, with no nose band and it runs away you can't control it just because it opens the mouth and goes wherever it wants and your pressure from a bit is much less yeah. so safety that's two reasons for the young horse to accept the bit and to learn properly signals and pressure relief and, and so on and so on and safety these are two reasons, but noseband still should be always, always adjusted in the correct tightness. And sometimes it can be really fluffy and the horse should open the mouth actually sometimes even quite widely, but just to, just to have this uh, back, back up, not to completely open the jaw. Right, like completely. Well, yeah. and, so, and you know, in the Western world, the, the riders uh, use a bozelle. And it's really funny because I'll hear this argument that they're against nosebands, but they use a bozelle. And a bozelle is a noseband. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I just find that curious. Um, it's all in how we're, but anytime yeah. we have anything around the nose, it's a noseband. And then yeah. the other piece of that is the bitless bridle people. The crossover ones, in my opinion, are not good because they don't, they, you can pull up tightly. Really. And they, they don't, don't release. And now you have yeah. a ton of pressure on the nose. So yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's just important for people to realize that we, we need to not just um, do something because we've been told to, but really start to look and question and go, well, what happens if exactly. you know, it's a crossover and I pull? It's going to stay tight. There's no way it's going to loosen on its own unless you physically loosen it. And so... Exactly. Yeah. I, I am... I understand these people who want to go bitless and kind of want to improve uh, horse welfare, but when you kind of mask uh, the reaction of the horse on the mouth uh, from a bit, it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt for the horse more. And let, forgive me all the bitless people, but I must say that most horses can be ridden in bit with no problems if it's correctly fitted bit. And it's really rare when there are horses who can't be ridden in the bit, who have to be ridden bitless. And let's forgive me again, those people <laughs> who, who are bitless bridal fans. I'm not also about just bit, bit bits. I'm about the horse. And what I see is that horse often actually is much happier in the face when they, it have this whole pressure from a nose off. And it goes much better in the posture, riding posture, when it have bit, not bitless bridle. That's unfortunately true. Yeah, not unfortunately true. I mean, there's a reason that there's been a bit for thousands of years. Yeah. And also, you yeah. know, the, the argument I had with uh, a bitless proponent was in the end, which uh, was a real surprise that she admitted it, was that it really comes down to the rider. And if it really comes down to the rider, then it doesn't matter if it's bitless, bit, bozel, bridle, you know, bridleless. It comes down to the rider. Um, rider, that's also one thing. Yeah. Second thing, what the expectations are for the horse and what they want to do with this horse. Yeah. Um, years ago, I found a Belgium uh, uh, lady. She's, uh, she's a professional dressage rider who rides bitless for many years. And I think uh, I, I'm correct that she even wrote the books about the bitless bridal dressage. 
And her own conclusion at the end was, after 10 or even more years writing, that to be honest, you can't achieve the same level of the horse going uh, in the, the same relaxed and the biomechanically correct way with a bitless bridle. You need to have a bit. And there is a reason why you need to have it. Now, I actually also was de describing all these uh, uh, balance pressures, where how it changes from a bit to, to the bitless bridle and so on and so on, and how it affects the whole horse back movement. And like I also mentioned that I, I'm doing the lunging uh, clinics and uh, lessons. And uh, to be honest, I was also blind for long years uh, doing, oh my God, no, the lunging have to be done with Caveston. That's the best what it can be done. And that's it. So, and then when I turn it up more to the bits, uh, I realized that actually it's not true always. Again, it's up to the horse and then up to the uh, person who is lunging it. But many horses do prefer actually to go in the bit than in the Caveston. Um, Again, you need to do have a, a good technique for it, yeah. uh, how to lunge, but judging on horse own, but on horse own reaction and the face expression, it's completely different in the bit and in the cavasan. So I, I think you just bring up really good points and that, you know, there's there's nothing that's going to fit every single horse on every single rider and it's really exactly. down to you know what what skill set do you have because if you're not good at lunging you're not good at lunging and it doesn't matter if you're in a bit or a cavasin um yeah exactly. you need to improve your skills as a person who can properly lunge a horse but and there are some horses for very good reasons that can't carry a bit whether that's something with their mouth yeah. that they have and you know yeah. Uh, misformed mouth or whatever. And so I think it's just really important for people to realize that the we're talking in a very general terms and that every horse is an individual and every horse rider combination, ha you know, it's important to assess that horse rider combination because there's times when you would change a bit on a horse because you have a child on that horse mm. versus a very talented rider. And so yeah. You know, it's circumstances are really, we have to take that into consideration and really evaluate these different environments and situations and functions. You know, I wouldn't put a kid on a horse. You know, a lot of times I use a side pole when I ran a riding school, I put all the horses in side poles, which could not tighten and gave direct turning aids um, for the young kids so that they weren't pulling on the horse's mouths. But I think that's really, um, really important. And someone's asked if you are familiar with and know how to properly fit a Bozelle. Uh, Bozelle in my area is actually not the uh, piece of the equipment we use at all. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, um, it means I have to find somebody to come on and talk about fitting Bozelles. That's all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But again, if I would come and need to fit it, I still would fit it accordingly to the horse anatomy, a specific horse uh, exterior anatomy uh, to avoid all the uh, pressure points which could impair the health. Right. So still it wouldn't be too high, it wouldn't be too low, and it would be just on the spot 
where we where it would be most convenient for the both for the rider and for the horse yeah so All that's right. how i always work i not sometimes i come to the client and i take the bit which i actually i never seen in my life <laughs> but then i see is it actually good bit for this horse or we can uh, or he could be better for this so uh, it's always like that yeah. Yeah. So sorry, I can't uh, can't answer this question just because we are more English riders in this area. Um, but I am a highly I was highly interested in Bazaar myself, and I wanted to try uh, to ride with it. Uh, but I'm really not riding anymore so much because I'm busy with uh, lots of other stuff. And um, yeah, but from my point of view, I I put this for the bitless bridle. And still, bitless bridle often are too tight. Even the side pull itself, like you mentioned, you were, you were using side pull. But then we come back to the tight nose bands, and lots of people don't understand that actually the uh, the bitless bridle is the say can can have the same action as a very tight nose band. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Okay, onward. Yeah. <laughs> So mouth inspection, this is what I encourage uh, every horse owner to do yeah? because uh, sometimes it's enough just to look in the horse mouth to realize what is the problem and why this horse is not going well and, uh, and just to check up if you haven't harmed this horse with particular piece of the equipment. So inspection of the mouth doesn't have to be so thorough but at least well, at least when your dentist is coming, the, ask him to really thoroughly look inside the mouth and not only on, your, on the teeth, because sometimes people are just missing these parts. Um, but yeah, just look inside of your mouth carefully. And of course, if you would start to look for the different horses um, in the mouth, you would quickly realize that they are very different very different between each other uh, with uh, bigger tongs, flatter tongs, smaller tongs, softer tongs, more harder tongs, more flash on the lips, less flash on the lips, more elastic, less elastic, uh, so much space in the mouth and so on and so on. So there are lots of variation in there. And here you can see also uh, two different mouths of the horse and you can, of course, you can already see that it's different age of the horse, but the tongue, how the tongue sits in, in within the mouth and uh, which lips are more stretchy and which lips are less stretchy. And it all influences also how the bit will sit and which type of the bit maybe I should think of first to offer to this horse. Doesn't have to be that he will like it because bit fitting partly is the knowledge, partly is the science and all these researches we know and partly it's still a little bit of trial because i can't come over for, to the horse and ask hey horse which bit do you like <laughs> so i offer but i need to see what to offer so if i have hundreds and more bits and i look in the mouth and i look on the behavior of the mouth how they will present and i listen to the history what the uh, rider says then we have already some bits on the mind, on the mind, and then we try them out, and then we see. But still, we are on the mouth inspection now, so very different mouths. 
it's not just anatomy, just anatomy. It's also the individual exterior and interior of the mouth. So not just anatomy as anatomy. So this is the other view we always need to look at. Well, I need to always to look at. And of course, not speaking about the uh, dentistry itself, but it's, uh, it's a little bit off in this course. What we can see speaking by the bit and by the tongue already, that's sticking on one side. Yep. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yep. 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 So this already tells that there is a tension on that side, that all the hired apparatus, that all the muscle within it will be affected. Yeah. So, and that's where we come to the complex work with a horse that it have to be addressed both in the body and within the bit and dentistry also together. Yeah. So of course I can say also straight away that most likely this horse will be tighter on his left rein because we have a tongue tension here and we need to work it out as much as possible. Of course there are plenty of reasons why it can be like that. Also the the already deformities uh, within the jaw, uh, joint within uh, some problems with uh, high head itself. Just, uh, just to need, need, make, need to make sure that we make horse as comfortable as possible with a bit so it doesn't get more tension in there and put some body work on this too. And then see how, it, how we can resolve it. So again, mouth inspection. This is one of the cases when the horse had very, very soft tongue itself. And um, I know that this, this was not done by specifically this rider, but also the rider didn't know ever that this, uh, the, the horse had this uh, uh, scar tissue on the tongue. So of course, if we know this, we already know that we can't use certain types of bits which may harm him even more. And in this case, of course, we can't use very thin bit. Speaking about the thin bit, some, uh, not sometimes, but in many, many cases, even the very young horses, they often choose more thinner bit than a thicker bit. Like you just mentioned, before that we were riding with a very thick bits and so on and so on. Yes, and uh, it's not always the case, but most horses like uh, 16 millimeters thickness and smaller, and very rare, you need thicker bit. But for example, if we see this, this picture like we have here with these scar tissues, we already know that we can't choose thin bit, even if horse will like it right. really much. Right. So we need to find some alternative to the horse with a little bit thicker. And in this case, it was just a, a softer, uh, softer rubber bit, um, which which we, he went the best with anyway. So it was good. Uh, horse chose itself a very good uh, bit, which I would, you know, be happy to fit for him anyway. So that's just again speaking about the mouth inspection have to be done. So here is another interesting case. Uh, owner called me 
and asked for the bit fitting, uh, saying that the horse started to open the mouth suddenly at some point, of course, and avoiding the uh, rain contact and so on and so on and so on. And um, I did first evaluation it was, and uh, I didn't find anything much. And then we started to do um, bit testing. And again, I went with my arms into the lips a little bit deeper and I felt this cyst. Mm -hmm. So actually, horse was uh, objecting this cyst from a bit. Of course, if there is a cyst, it's very unusual finding actually, in mm -hmm. generally mm -hmm. in the lips. But that's, that's what I'm, the point is that you need to look for these things. So of course, it was clearly that, that this is the reason why horse suddenly started to open the mouth. The reason why this cyst showed, we never know. It, was it some kind of injury, bite, or whatever? But what we knew is that it is right on the place where the bit lays in. So again, we needed to find the specific bit which is avoiding this place as much as possible. So... <laughs> oh, a kitty. Good. It's always nice to have a kitty show up. <laughs> Beg begging for the food again. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so we, so, uh, so just look in your horse mouth before you think that you need to tighten up noseband, before you need, think that you need to change the bit, and probably you need to change the bit if you have a problem but then you need to understand why you have this problem. Natasha's really impressed that you found that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, another case, uh, this is a very, very severe uh, stomatitis. Like you see, there is erasions on the tongue and lots of splits. And again, nobody really looked into the horse's mouth and uh, the feedback was that horse is actually even afraid to have the bridle on, to put them on. And really chewing and spitting the bit and so on and so on. And turned out the horse has this uh, a huge stomatitis which probably was caused by the bot flies, Ooh. by the gastrophilus, yes. And that year, unfortunately, there were so many butterflies' eggs on the leg, on leg, so it was not surprise that horse got this stomatitis. Wow. So wow. of course, so they deformed it. They they let the horse to recover with the tongue, and it was all good and fine. But that was again, just look into your horse's mouth and think why he's actually so afraid to put the bridle on. Horse, uh, the horse owner was absolutely loving horse owner. She was absolutely devastated to find this out. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, that nobody really thought that they have to look into the mouth. So that's, that's, that's how it often happens, unfortunately. And uh, when we do bit fitting, we also look uh, on the reaction. We'll also look into the mouth for the reaction, what's going on with a bit. And here is 
here is shown that horse is opening widely mouth. Actually, he's opening because I pulled his upper jaw a little bit, upper jaw and the lip a little bit higher. And it looks horrible and horrible that I'm pulling so much this uh, bit tightly. Actually, it is really light pressure made on the bit itself and horse is exhibiting this behavior. And what is the most, uh, um, most important information here is horse is pulling tongue up once the pressure is down on the bit. Yeah. So again, examining the mouth when it's a bit inside and see what's going on within the mouth when there's a bit and do a light pressure. So th that was the problem with this bit. And this is the bit which I think um, invest people as very uh, common, if I'm correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, with a barrel in between this uh, uh yeah it's not, as opposed to a jointed snaffle it's a, it's kinder than the little rabbit ears <laughs> yeah yeah so what i find to be honest with this one that exactly where the link is i hope you see this arrow what i'm showing with yep. the red yep yep so exactly here where it is w once it's engaged and moving by many, many designs, not all of them, but a lot of these designs, it's actually pinching. Oh. Yeah. It's actually pinching and you think of very soft tongue, which actually kind of all laid into this bit. Of course, as soon as there is action, it will give a little pinch. Yeah. Not all of them, but in some designs, I found this badly, unfortunately. It seems that it's very a subtle movement in there, but there is. And if you, I think I don't have any bit with me at the moment. If you try to put like in here a bit, yep. try to move yeah. this link and feel how it will pinch your skin. Okay. Try so to, test, to test the edges of that barrel to see if it pinches. Yes, exactly. Okay. And someone's so, asking about the, your technique for inspecting inside the mouth. I mean, I, what I notice is that you have your hand firmly over the bridge of the nose to keep your fingers safe. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> I think that's the most important thing is that when you do go to look in a mouth, you have to have an anchor for your hand. It can't yes. be floating. Um, yeah. You need to support your hand. You also, in this picture, you see that I have supported the hand and the head by the noseband side. Right. See? Yeah. So that's another. I can't go just straight into the mouth. So I partly fix the horse first. Uh, it's it's actually mo mostly it's for both of us. That's for the horse and for me, my, for myself. So I can control horse head. It doesn't go against me very quickly. And also I feel once the horse pulls, so I don't pull on the horse within the mouth, with a lip or with a tongue, whichever. So I always uh, uh, fix the head with head color or with against the nose band. And then, then I look in, inside, for, mostly I start with a jaw, down jaw, with my thumb or with uh, my indicator very carefully, not to go too much inside. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> inside the mouth um, but uh, then I, I often I hold the hold the head color and hold the nose band and help with one finger to open the down lip and with other arm open the 
upper lip. Yeah. And of course, yeah. yes, you need to support the support the support somehow the the hand. And nevertheless, of course, you always need to introduce yourself uh, to the horse first and make them understand that you're not going to harm them, them, you know, and so on and so on. And literally, to be honest, I I, I often not often. No, I can't say often. No, that's not true. But I now and then, uh, now and then, I meet the persons when I come to the bitch fitting, and they say, "Oh my God, my horse is so afraid from strange people. I don't know how we're gonna do bitch fitting." And then I start to work with horse, and uh, and then I kind of still communicate with the owner, and horse is completely fine. Yeah. We just need not to scare them with our uh, actions. Right. And that nose thing, it is very difficult to do that without a nose band because you can't get a good anchor for the, for the lower. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and always need to be, you, you don't go to the naked horse. You need to have some either nose band or, or hat color, whichever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, of course, when we, when we have a horse without the nose band, <laughs> then I usually ask for the hat color too. Yeah. Yeah. And also when we change the bits, um, I found uh, that it's very difficult for the horse to cope with the fact that the rudder is coming off and on, off and on. So when we do bit change, uh, actually I hold the horse myself or I have assistants who is holding the horse without a rudder coming off. And it is a little bit problem when there's no nose band because I take the bit off. <laughs> <laughs> so always again if there is no no uh, uh nose band then should be head color always yeah always yeah. hold your uh, hold the horse firmly or you need the assistant to hold it because it's it pays off some horses just generally don't like that the people go off and on off and on and some horses are getting so confused why the rider is coming off and on off and on that I prefer to do maybe first bit uh, bit change with rider off the horse, so horse understands what we're doing and we need we know the reaction of uh, of the horse to the bit change, and then we car carry on with a rider on. Right, yeah. safety first always. <laughs> always, always safety first. Nothing, uh, nothing uh, can uh, compare with a safety. Always, always safety first. So bit size, and then you think, oh, here we go. We know everything about the bit size already. Whoa. So what new can you tell us today? Well, nothing, to be honest. <laughs> nothing new, absolutely. My point is, so um, not how it should be look, uh, looking within the mouth. Um, we all know that it should, that should stick so much and so much out of the mouth if it's fixed ring so egg but it should be right against the lip uh, uh, lip side if it's a loose ring it have to be actually much less than it's written in the books okay <laughs> but i'm not gonna go on that uh, to be honest because i think it's boring okay fine and let's move on <laughs> one of the one of the reason why it's boring and why i found this is a quite a useless uh, um, subject or topic because within one horse you can have um, a size differences at least two so from 11 and a half 
it can go to 13 and a half. Why? It's all up to the model of the bit. It's all up to the thickness of the bit. So, so it's like shoes. Exactly. Eight, it doesn't. Fit, it's gonna fit you if you're an eight. You have to try on the shoes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and that's why we go and try these shoes, and uh, and it's like uh, I was also a bit amazed by this one once I started, but then. Uh, then uh, it made all sense, you know, and actually it's physics, it's physics. Yes. And so I feel, I feel very poor for those owners sometimes who go to the shop and they suddenly say, oh, anatomical bit, it's going to be so nice for my horse and so on and so on. But then they, they buy the same size they have now, for example, for the uh, simple straight model bit. And then they literally have bits sticking out of, out of the mouth. Yeah. Of course, yeah. because it's anatomical bit, it's, it's a little bit shaped in, like in the, in the curve and it goes much closer to the whole mouth structures and it will be a little bit more outside. So we actually would need to go at least a half a size or even size down. So that's why I think <laughs> this is why I, to be honest, I think it's uh, quite of uh, uh, useless to explain how the bit should be. But my point is that, for example, here are two similar bits when you start to look at them first. <laughs> and it seems so because it's visually, it looks like. But on here, you finally see that there are absolutely different bits and they are different by the canons yep the link uh, actually is really little difference between it but there is a little difference yeah, and the ring yeah. size yeah. and the ring yeah. size and all these little details they do matter for the horse and by this picture actually i want more to say that not not that always that looks like it it is like that <laughs> so um it's it's it matters for the horse and actually in, in here you can see that these loops uh, the the holes in the canines are much bigger here and smaller in here and for the horse it will matter again maybe not a lot but for some a lot and i was so surprised myself when i saw a little absolutely little differences even in the size if you put one size, absolutely same bit, one size, and just try it in different size, let's say a little bit bigger, it's two completely different horses. Yeah. So much it can bring, these little differences. L smaller ring or bigger ring? Yeah. It is, the. I, I came to conclusion that the ring itself, it's actually more for the rider than for the horse if we look at the bit for the horse it's all the matters what's inside the mouth and how it's affecting by the rider it's more matters from the outside mm -hmm. so the ring itself and i found that lots of horses are actually going much better in a smaller ring than in the bigger ring but there are horses who need bigger ring because of the rider <laughs> So, yeah, so 
you really yeah you need really be critical to the bit size not thinking that oh my god i need thicker bit because it's gonna it's gonna hurt my horse less but then we actually ended up with uh, 12 millimeters bit because that's the only one what what he wants to hold in the mouth and the rest of that it feels absolutely like a, a foreign body for them and fin bit feels very nice and it doesn't matter if it's young horse or older horse that's what he accepts and that's it. And here's uh, what we find with a bigger bit, smaller bit, and especially problem with a double jointed bit. Mm -hmm. a double jointed mm -hmm. bit is one, uh, now, nowadays they think it's one of the most friendly bit for the horse. But unfortunately, it's also the bit which, damage, which, uh, which can damage horse more e easier in a way than actually even a straight bit or a single jointed bit. So I heard once by one person saying, uh, like when we, when we were discussing about the double jointed bit, it should be actually really um, spotless uh, fitted, not too big at all, because if it will be a bit bigger, that's what, that what you will see. It will just slip asymmetrically to one side. And it always will be holding like that. For the horse, it will be really asymmetrical feel. So, and then I heard from that person saying, well, yes, that's what they do. That's what the double bit do. <laughs> it should not do this because then you can harm the horse. And here's the re biggest reason that the link here once once it's pulled out it's it's laying actually on the edge on the bars and the lip which is covering the bars and it's kind of opening this lip and easily can cut this lip and pinch this lip so this is why we need to be aware i think uh, you already were talking about the link size uh, with uh, Dr. Hillary Clinton that it should be smaller mm -hmm. because of the jaw and so on. And this is another reason. If there is too long link, really, and, the, and especially on top of that, the size of the bit is a bit bigger than it should be, then the damage will occur very easily. Right. Not in right. all horses, but it's super bigger, um, super bigger reason why it can happen. But again, opening the mouth and looking to see what it's going on is really important. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And again, I I feel that you should not be led by fashion, but but by your horse preferences. For example, uh, some years ago, it started that single jointed bit is po poking to the palate and so on and so on and so on. Uh, but now we thankfully coming to conclusion that actually also double jointed bit is with contact in on the palate anyway also and if i say to people so okay we have single jointed bit which may poke to the palate or have a nutcracker effect fine so what you're gonna say if i will say to you that double jointed bit is actually making more pressure to the tongue it's also bad then. 
it's not bad really you just need to fit the correct size and you need to see what the horse likes and to yeah. be honest in my yeah. work i find lots of horses who are who do like at some point single jointed bits over the double jointed bits and i'm saying you know really horse will not go nicer in a bit which will harm him right. so if right. this horse is going nicer in a single jointed bit it does not harm him. And also people forget that when you take a rain contact, I know it's, it, it will look ugly now, but I'll show you <laughs> if you can see. Yeah, you, when you take the, uh, the rain contact, the bit actually is like sinking in to the tongue and to the lip like that, downwards. So it's actually in the contact is going away from palate. Mm, okay. Yeah, and once I've put the finger in, when when the rider is holding rain contact, I know I and the size of the single jointed bit is correct. I haven't found uh, that it's spoken to the palate. Okay. There are rarely rare cases when it's super low palate and a little bit bigger single jointed bit. Then it's really uh, really on the edge to poke. That's true. Yes, but you have to be really critical on this information always always so how can i know if the bit fits well i'm answering by looking by on his face looking in the face well luckily now we all uh, well not all but hopefully we do all know about the uh, ridden horse etogram which is done by Sue. Dyson, and um, there is also a grimaces pain uh, scale done by researchers and um, uh, face action uh, also how how was it face action scoring or something yep. like that yeah. so so yeah. if if before people were thinking that a horse can't show emotions because there is not enough muscle on the face well now we're thankfully coming to this that Actually, we can judge on horse well-being by just looking on its face. <laughs> of yeah. course, it's not yeah. the only one. It's getting a lot of attention right now, uh, Dr. Dyson's work and the facial yes. expressions. Um, so it's really great because we're, it, it, we've looked at this for a bit. We've seen this for a very long time, but we've never really looked at it. And it's exactly, yeah. So I'm practice. sure... I'm sure like you, you are a very experienced person for many, many years and you saw it anyway. But it's just because nobody on the research level said that, yes, it can be like that. Right. It was like only that you said so and you felt so. And there are many people like that because horse people who are spending a lot of time with horses, they will know their horse face expression yeah. for sure. Yeah. And saying differently, it will be absolutely stupid because they have these facial expressions. Anyways, so yes, so facial, expre fa facial expression is one how I can determine if horse is happy with a bit or not. Expression and the motion, of course. If horse is not holding the bit and chewing and is unsteady, of course, it's the sign that he's uncomfortable. And when the uh, horse mouth is steady and calm, then it's more comfortable. And like I already mentioned, 
it's absolutely amazing to see how horse face is changing and relaxing actually once you have this uh, bit which he's happy with it's yeah. amazing it's just amazing you just have to people you just have to ask your horse you have just to ask yourself is this uh, equipment is the best what can be for my horse uh, is this the best for of what he can have or maybe at least question yourself maybe he needs different bit <laughs> different bridle and different saddle maybe <laughs> so face yeah. expression is one of oh i have a i missed one d <laughs> it's written okay. <laughs> sorry spelling check problems <clears throat> it was quick so i think you uh, you Wendy could uh, could describe the differences in these um, pictures much better than I do. That's okay. Uh, you keep going because I I just looked. I have to get my charger for my laptop. So, <laughs> so otherwise you will be off. <laughs> yeah, we'll just so go for it and let me get my charger. So uh, in general, that's another how uh, I am looking for a better bit. Because what we need to see in a, a ridden horse is a good posture. We don't want to see dropped back. We don't want to see a horse behind vertical. We don't want to see a horse with head up. We don't want to see that their diagonals are not following each other or that we have um, um, shorter stepping behind or shorter stepping in front. <clears throat> so on the top picture here, you can see that horses with a hollow back, uh, the hind leg is stepping actually shorter than the front leg. Uh, you can see the tail carriage is completely different. And of course, the head itself is kind of more, not head, sorry, neck and chest connection is more pulled down. So from a long-term perspective of you, of course, uh, it will be damageable for the horse because he will carry more weight on the front legs. Uh, his back will be more in pain because he's not lifted up with the back and is, there is not enough to carry the rider. So the spinal uh, process of spinosis and the uh, spinal ligaments and and uh, and facet joints will be damaged more. So. On the second picture, of course, you can say it's uh, it's not the same phase. Well, I did try to get as much as better as possible the same phase, and it's to be honest, it is the same phase. The thing is, once you have horse going forward from behind, through the back, through the wither, you don't even get these pictures. What is on the top? You just don't get them. There is none of them, <laughs> and this is when you when you judge on the pictures on your horse you can if you see that every single next picture is good and you see that in every single next picture your horse is in the balance then you know for sure everything is fine but if you have a picture uh this is not nice posture oh here is the leg off and here is that then you have a balance problem for sure <laughs> so so on the down picture, you see that the back is lifted much higher. The tail tension is less and it's down. The diagonals between each other. So the front leg is following forward uh, widely, nicely, and the hind leg 
also is much wider and that you the, the wither and the chest the whole thoracic sling is up forward hold it up so the question is of course how it's possible and so on and so on um i think we still don't know how it's possible <laughs> we do we know how it's possible because the tongue is connected to the front legs <laughs> oh that's the part what we know but i uh, of course that's the part what we know but we still don't know a lot well, that's what i mean of course it's because the how bit is by its by only by its shape by only by its weight is affecting the tongue then it's affecting the the whole muscles in the tongue the higher apparatus the higher apparatus affecting the jaw joint the jaw joint affecting uh, um, the um, skull and the first vertebrae connection and then we have a dorsal line of the fascia uh, how it flows and of course on the down leg you we see we have the muscle which has which are attaching to the leg and then to the chest uh, to the sternum down and that's how it's affecting and down through the belly abdominal muscles through the uh, through the pelvic yes that's so far how we know but i believe that there is still far more to know how how it's how it's affecting and uh, i think we need to only research even more on that so and i think this is also very good coming together with uh, all the webinars you already had about the Maya fascia, the higher apparatus, and guys, if you haven't seen them, please look at them because that's whole how, how it comes together, even in the thing like a bit and the bridle. So just look, and also the sh sure foot pads, especially on the front legs. I think that's how amazingly it can get the relaxation and the whole uh, ventral part of the uh, to the tongue, to the TMJ, uh, just by using them. And if you already have some tensions and problems there, uh, I think this, this is one of which can give a bit better balance for the horse. And it will be all connected, all connected all together. With a fascia lines, with, a, with a anatomy, with a riding how we ride, with attitude to our horses, with everything. So looking by your on your horse face and looking on your horse posture you will know ridden horse posture that this bit is correct bit <laughs> yeah. so also i get the question good bit or bad bit is it good bit or bad bit again i, I think uh, in the whole now time when while we are talking or well, actually i'm talking so stupidly uh, uh i gave a point that there are no bad or good bits. There are, from my uh, scale point of view, there are horse-friendly bits and horse-unfriendly bits. And the second is correctly fitted or incorrectly fitted. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are no bad or good bits. Like I said, the single-jointed bit will not be superior or under on any way by the double-jointed bit. It's just by the horse, what he prepares. Um, of course, it, the bit itself have to be horse friendly. So no uh, sharp edges, um, no that it, that it can harm the horse uh, straight away. No that the particular bit 
will harm the horse because horse have certain issues. Uh, for example, too soft tongue or whichever. But so just, uh, yeah, just think that it's no good or bad fits and bits and don't follow just the fashion, what it comes from. Be yeah. very critical to information and also judge on your horse. Ask your horse, is it the best what it can be? Well, thank you very much for your attention and listening to me. <laughs> so, so someone's asking about different materials of bits. You have rubber bits and metal bits and nylon bits. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that you've already answered that question, but it's pretty much what the horse is gonna prefer that we have all these choices. And then yeah. we have to look at that particular horse's mouth, also straight bars, copper, yeah. you know. Yeah, again, uh, yes, the, the different materials we offer to the horses, uh, lots of that is coming through the marketing, through the big brands are, um, how could I say, uh, like competing between each other, who will make better and so on and so on and so on. Uh, there are certain rubber type, uh, rubber bits, uh, which uh, are low quality, which I would never use. Mm. Um, so again, that's a question about a friendly or unfriendly bit for the horse, because rubber itself will rub, um, uh, heat up while it's moving. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's, yeah, it's heating up. Uh, it's like if you take and rub something, you can try to rub with a stainless steel or you take your arm and rub with a rubber. You will feel the heat ah, of yeah. the rubber very quickly. Yeah. yeah. And then, then again, there are a lot of people uh, talk about a sweet iron bit or a copper mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. Like, do you have copper yeah. poisoning in a, again. in a copper bit? <laughs> I also was thinking, mm, doesn't they poison that? But of course they're not poisoning. But that's another subject that I did not uh, touch today because, uh, yeah. I would. I wish I would have three days of conference. We can always talking. have you come back, okay? We can always have you come back and do another webinar. <laughs> yeah. uh, for example, salivation, and uh, a lot, a lot of times they are promoting the salivation of the horse, so it will accept the bit by the taste, by the chewing, and so on and so on and so on. But sometimes this salivation, and actually not sometimes, but very often, is way too much, and there are many reasons why it is. Um, but one of the reasons can be copper itself. And one of the reasons that horse is getting allergic reaction around the lips is copper. Mm. It, okay. It's not often cases, but, uh, but uh, there are sometimes. And this is when you come in and you need to work out like a detective what is wrong. And this is, this is one of. Um, sweet iron so far I have quite a good experience with, uh, but very often like what I say to people when they ask me about the material, don't worry, you are whoever asked this often asked question. It's all very, very common. Uh, the, the fact is that uh, no matter what, uh, uh, what material it's going to be, if it's metal, as long as it fits by the shape. 
So horse preference always will be to the shape rather than to the material, except, except if a horse prefers plastic bits. Right. So softer, uh, softer feel, lighter feel, non-metallic feel. That's how it matters. So sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes horse just prefers plastic bit over the metal metallic bit. So that's the biggest one. But otherwise, um, otherwise, it's a shape. If and I then, give, yeah, sorry. Somebody's asking about uh, they they have learned that loose ring bits pinch the corners of the mouth. So is a D ring better? Um, your thoughts? That's on a that? very good question. That's a very good question. Again, I didn't touch this uh, subject because I thought, oh, it's boring. <laughs> but it's a very good question. Um, in a real uh, time, in a real uh, world, I found that it's really rare when actually it is pinching. Okay. Uh, horses are coping super well with this uh, um, with this uh, uh, loose rings, and. Um, and this is one of the reasons why the most people fit the too far away from the lips, but actually then you get the action of the bit going forwards and backwards like this. Right. Too much, and that's causing much more problems instead of when bit is tighter. What horses don't like more than that, it's actually um, like when rings coming in, this, um, the ring itself, uh, I find horses which don't like ring attaching to the lips. It's quite sharp uh, ending uh, of the mouthpiece. And that's what they don't like more, not pinching. Right. So when I find right. horses that who prefers uh, egg butt over the loose ring, it's more because he feels more smoother in that area. And some more a more stable ring just for that support. Again, it's yeah. it's so individual. Just go ahead it's, and unshare your screen, then we can see you. <laughs> um, and then yeah. you know, someone was asking about a specific bit brand, but I think you've kind of already touched on that. In that, um, you know, the the bit companies are always trying to come out with better, better, better uh, over their competitors. So we're always going to see. Uh, um, different metals, different shapes, that sort of thing, which is great yeah. in that we're finally starting to understand that we need to make bits that are more horse mouth shaped. But on the other hand, a lot of it just comes down to marketing. Do you agree with that? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. And this is the part where, unfortunately, lots of people do get confused now. Right. Yeah, they confused because of course it's it's super good that we have like over the half a million models because yeah. the horses <laughs> the horses are so different. But on the other hand, riders get so confused, right? And then we ending up with all these troubles, right? Yeah, and um, what I really liked is the you know it's. It, what you've done is you've helped us understand what we need to do in order to figure out what our horse needs rather than just telling us, you know, this is the best fit, which is what so many people do. They, you know, I can't tell you how many trainers say, well, you just, you know, just get this bit. It's going to solve all your problems. 
but it doesn't because if the bit doesn't fit the horse, it's not going to solve the no, problem. No, no. I still often, unfortunately, I do meet um, uh, a very kind of good trainers as a trainer, which knowledge of the this contact um, the, is still not there. And I'm so surprised um, because yeah, they, they just say, oh, yes, this bit is good. And then poor rider and horse are keep going for in this bit for half a year. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it is upsetting. And also there are so still lots of misconceptions. Same with this elevation that people think that, I don't know, maybe it's not the same in your country, but it's in mine, that the horse have to have uh, a lot of Sevilla. Uh, well, now, thankfully, they start to also other uh, seeing other things that actually, no, not always have to be, but lots of trainers, like uh, big trainers still think like that. And have you, have, uh, have you heard the concept about that horse have to chew on bit? Yeah, the, there's, a, the, there's <laughs> a lot of terms that we use that I... And maybe we'll have you come back and do another webinar and talk about some of these things because, you know, we have these descriptions of how the horse should, you know, pack the bed or chew on the bed or salivate. And, and really, in my opinion, what we want is a quiet mouth. We want a mouth exactly. that's quiet. Yeah. And there is, doesn't yeah. have <laughs> exactly. And there is a reason for quiet mouth, not only training, nice and moving, but also physiology of the horse yeah and that's probably another 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 thematic another topic for the webinar that's what i'm thinking I, I think well what we'll have to do is have you come back and talk a bit more about this because we didn't even get to assessing the height of the bit in the mouth and stuff so will you please come back for another webinar <laughs> if if you will like i would love so i, I think I, it was a great fun a fun i think i am sorry to, to um, those people who just didn't maybe get my point or didn't get really my 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 expression what I wanted to say but main message is just to love your horse and uh, and uh, think for it think for is it the best what he can have everybody's and loving this webinar so you don't have to make any apologies okay they're all the comments are coming in and and you know it's um I just loved your slides, really well presented, very clear. And um, I just really appreciate you. that how you have simplified what can be a very complicated conversation. And I think that's the problem is so many mm. people have been overwhelmed or confused or, or been told yeah. it doesn't matter, you know? Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really, yeah. where's the middle? And this is what we really need to do. So thank we want, you. We want the middle and each horse is individual as we are all. We also are persons, personalities, and we're all different. And horses are just as different. And we just need to ask them the, to ask them just how, how it is. Do you like it or not? Yeah. Think about that. Well, so thank, thank you, you very much. Also. Thank you so much for joining me. And it was a terrific uh, talk on bits. Uh, really, I'm so glad you reached out to me because Stephanie actually contacted me about doing this webinar. I didn't know about her when, when I was, uh, uh, you know. But I know about you. Yeah, which is <laughs> I awesome. knew about you. I'm so glad you contacted me. So it was really great because I'm I've been this has been fantastic. So thank you so much. And um and thank we'll you, Wendy. And thank you for your contribution.
Thank you. Thank you for contributing. Thank you again for doing these super webinars. I mean, I, I've been I've been uh, all watching them also just to get different topics and uh, getting over and over again and listen to other people. And it's so interesting. And it's like, it's just awesome. Thank you very much for oh, doing thanks this. thanks a lot. I know it takes a lot of time, but it's so much worth it. <laughs> okay, thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay. All right, okay. everybody, uh, till next time. Um, What's today? Tomorrow. Is today Thursday? It's Thursday. Tomorrow it's Thursday, my webinar yeah. at 1 o'clock on Surefoot. So I'll see you there. Everybody have a great day and bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.